Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Second period about to get underway. That's the only hockey game tonight. Halftime, Philadelphia leading Toronto 51-38. Second round in the NBA. Raptors are up 1-0 in that best of seven series. Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers will play for Canada at the World Hockey Championships in Slovakia, May 10th to 26th. Darnell leaves on Thursday for that tournament. We had him on in the last hour of the show. You missed that. You can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast on iTunes or simply go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Glad you are along for the ride. We are going to be broadcasting from Commonwealth Stadium on Thursday for the CFL draft. Always good to have uh, that outing. We'll see what the Eskimos can do with their picks. You can text 630-630. We had uh, some comments about the NHL's playoff format in the last half hour of the show. This person says, don't change the format. These playoffs have been great. Sorry if you can't get it together, Tampa Bay, but the Columbus Blue Jackets were better. And the paddle boat, that's a heck of a handle, texting in and says, you can't win if all the top seeds won, then people would complain there is no point to watching the playoffs. That is the paddle boat texting 630 630- 630. Uh, you can also call 780-496-0063. Another texter says, uh, hey, Reed, really pulling for the Dallas Stars to beat St. Louis and go all the way to the cup. Every time there's a shot of their bench, I see the smiling face of Todd Nelson. Sure would like to see him back with the Oilers. Do you think he could be the team's head coach? All right. Well, there is a good topic. Yeah, Todd Nelson, assistant coach with the Dallas Stars this season, uh, took over as you all remember, on an interim basis from the wildly unpopular Dallas Aikens in the 14-15 season. You know, Todd's, Todd Nelson's Oilers team did not have a very good record, and it was not a very good team. Uh, they only, I think they only won 17 out of 51 games, if memory serves. That's not very good. Uh, they did play with a little more joy and tempo, I thought. And, and, Todd, and I've talked to Todd Nelson... I mean, I've been lucky enough to know him for years now and interviewed him and, and talked to him a little bit just uh, off the record. Very nice guy, very hardworking guy, and very concerned with the, uh, I guess you'd call it the esprit de corps of a, of a hockey team. The, the team unity, the team, the team bonding. I, I know he really worked on that when he coached the Oilers. They were obviously a very despondent and kind of hopeless group when he took over, and he, you know, he emphasized 
being together, guys having meals together and, and, you know, getting to know each other away from the rink a little bit. And, and I remember once Todd Nelson said that he thought one of his greatest accomplishments that year was at, at the start of the season, you might see a couple guys having breakfast together, three other guys somewhere. And they said by the end of the year, pretty much the whole team would be at a table uh, to, together having breakfast together. And, and he was pretty proud of that. He, he also told me something once about the playoffs and he's had some, some really good teams uh, in the American Hockey League, Coach Grand Rapids. Obviously, he was the Oilers farm team coach uh, when they were in Oklahoma City. And he said, when you get into the playoffs, it's it's very difficult, it's very grueling, it's very intense. Uh, certainly, you know, pro athletes are, are pretty well taken care of, but he said, you know, you're, you're not getting paychecks in the playoffs. And he said the team that wins, this this is Todd Nelson's theory. Said he said the team that wins is the is the team that is the closest because they don't want it to end and no longer be a part of that group of players. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. And there's a lot to, that goes into winning hockey, having winning teams in any sport. And I don't want to overestimate the effects of confidence and unity, but I don't want to underestimate them either. I mean, you can have the closest team in the world if they just simply aren't very good at hockey or whatever sport they're playing. Uh, it's not going to matter how much they like each other and how bonded they feel. But it, in close playoff series, when there isn't a lot to separate between the top teams in the league, the type of teams that go deep into the playoffs, well, maybe it might be that, that extra little bond that extra little willingness to do something for a teammate, that extra little bit of inspiration that maybe puts you over the top. I, I, I know sometimes this can sound hokey, but if all you need, and as I'm saying this, there's a shot of Todd Nelson on the Stars bench, uh, you, you know, the coaches are going to look for any little extra edge they can get. And if Todd Benel- Nelson believes that and he brings that passion to his to his profession, which I know that he does, then that will rub off on the players. Now, he has to have the technical knowledge, and, and I think Todd does. I don't know if he's going to be the coach of the Oilers. Do I think he could run his own bench in the NHL? You know what? I do. He's done it in the AHL. He has experience being an NHL assistant with a couple of franchises now. So I, I think he could do it. I, I don't know if whoever is going to be the GM in, in Edmonton will consider Todd or or if he maybe winds up somewhere else before then. Who knows? But I, I do think he could run his own bench, and I always remember those things that he told me about his beliefs and trying to create team unity and and togetherness and and have that bond and 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 there is something to it there there is something to it It, it's not everything but i you know guys on the 06 oilers now granted they came up one win short of the cup unfortunately but a a player on that team told me a a few years ago he, he said i didn't want to be the guy on the team who screwed up I didn't want to be the guy on the team who didn't take a body check to chip the puck out from 10 feet inside my own blue line. So they had that spirit of, I don't want to let everybody else down. Everybody else is playing to 100%. I don't want to be the guy that's playing to 80 and trying to convince everybody else that it's good enough. So anyway, long answer to the question about Todd Nelson. I, 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 I will say this. I think he'd probably be pretty well-received as head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, if it ever came to that. He was really popular when he was here. Again, I think some of that... I think some of that is the fact of who he uh, who he followed 
and it was horrific here for, for Dallas Aikens. Uh, I, I don't think he did a very good job coaching the team, and I also don't think he had a very good team. And I remember that because that was my first year hosting the games on Chad, and I'll never forget this. The Oilers started the season 4-15-2, Aiken's first season. And then obviously he made it about 30 games into his second year uh, before he was ultimately let go. So, I, I mean, look, the Oilers probably could have hired Cookie Monster as the next coach after Dallas Aikens, and he would have been popular. Uh, but... You know, Todd has that demeanor. Uh, he's, he's pretty laid back. He's he, he's not blustery. He doesn't display any uh, any arrogance or look at me type stuff. He's he's a humble guy, Western Canadian guy, and I do think you know. Well, I I hope he gets to be an NHL head coach because I admire the guys that put the time in and commit and uh, you know have a philosophy that they stick to and keep trying to get better. And I think Todd has done that. But we'll see. I can't I can't uh, I can't make any promises. Well, I could make promises, Kellen, but there's no way I could fulfill all of them. Right. I could just start randomly promising stuff. I do promise this. I will not spoil Game of Thrones. Did you watch last night, Kellen? I did not because I was watching Avengers Endgame last night. So. Oh, and you will not spoil that. I will not uh, at all spoil that at all. Can you tell me? I will just ask you a couple yes nor questions. Did okay. you enjoy the movie? Very much so, yeah. Okay. And did you feel it was a fitting conclusion to that? chapter in the Marvel Universe. Yep, and it also made me realize that I should go back and rewatch a lot of the older movies. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that then. There I think go. that's a mild, mild spoiler. <laughs> Who was it? Was it LaShawn McCoy that was tweeting spoilers last week? Was it? I believe it was oh, LaShawn McCoy. That's, that's terrible. That's no good. No, go check it out. It's that's fun. Right. Now, do you watch Game of Thrones? No. I didn't watch it until... What year is it? It's 2019. The summer of 2017, I got a different TV package that allowed me to uh, get HBO On Demand. So from about August till, I don't know, sometime in October, I watched, I I caught up. So I watched the previous seven seasons, however many episodes that was, 60-some, I think. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was watching quite a bit. It's very good. And I I enjoyed watching it that way because there are some storylines and character arcs that take a long time to play out. Right. Where, or sometimes you don't see every character in every episode. So it was good for me because it was always fresh in my mind. And I found watching the first episode this year, I was thinking, oh yeah, that, what is, who is he, what did, how did he get there? But ultimately it doesn't matter. They all got pretty much all of them, got to one place, uh, and there was a big epic battle, and it had a big epic conclusion. That's not spoiling everything because that's predictable that at some point there's going to be a big epic battle. Pretty good show. Yep, and I guess we've been running a news story today about the battle scene being too dark last night it on was, some TVs. It, well, it, it happened at night. I wasn't that bothered by it. I mean, there were definitely a couple of scenes where I thought, wait, what exactly are they doing? But it also was the fury of battle. So there was a lot of quick editing, and you see a sword swinging, ah, and then gotcha. you see someone running, and then you see you know a, a head being bashed in or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there, were, there was a lot of quick editing like that. Sure, it was a little... It was, well, I mean, it was, it was at night, but for I, I never had problems following what was going on or being able to tell what character was doing what. That was, that was just me. Right. But yeah, apparently it was a big deal. I've seen I've seen people complaining about that on social media, and we did have that 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 story on the news. But Game of Thrones, uh, I would say, 
Very good show overall. I wouldn't necessarily, I, I think parts of it have been excellent. I, I don't know if I'd call it excellent overall. There are television shows I have watched that I've liked more, but but it's a, it's a very good show. And it's certainly, I would think, because I mean, it's definitely fantasy. Somebody asked me today, said, well, is it, is it science fiction? I said, well, no, it, it falls, it would fall more under fantasy, right? I mean, right. you're into this stuff too, Kellen, in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be more the stuff with the dragons and it's not, it's not set on earth, I guess. It's just some medieval times type yeah. place with magic. So to me, that would be more fantasy than science fiction. Absolutely. So I think the show has brought that to the mainstream. Probably a lot of people watching that genre that might not watch it otherwise because the writing is good and the acting is... Peter Dinklage. Incredible. He's amazing. Yeah, he's he, he's great. And especially early in the season, you just... Even though his character is... You know, has questionable morals at a lot of different times. He's also a very sympathetic character, and he gets in the first few seasons. He and even now, he gets he gets most of the best lines, most of the best uh, quips are all for Tyrion Lannister. Anyway, uh, we will get to the Edmonton Oil Kings. Put a cap on their season when we get back at seven seventeen. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on. Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 13 minutes left in the second period. 1-1 St. Louis and Dallas at halftime in Toronto. The Raptors trail the 76ers 51-38. Not a good start to this game for the Raptors. Uh, 26-17, they were outscored in the first quarter. 25-21 for the Sixers in the second quarter. Uh, Butler with 13 for the 76ers. Leonard with 15. For the Raptors, those are the uh, team leaders. We'll keep you updated on that one. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. Well, pretty good run for the Edmonton Oil Kings, but it ended with a Game 6 loss yesterday to the Prince Albert Raiders, who will play the Vancouver Giants in the Western Hockey League final starting on Friday. You know, obviously the Oil Kings uh, disappointed, but they, they did pretty well. They had some bumps early in the season really overcame those, finished the regular season with an 11-game winning streak, beat Medicine Hat, beat Calgary, and were actually up on PA two games to one before the Raiders won the last three games of the series. One guy who helped a lot, he was uh, traded for from Swift Current in December, was winger Andrew Fighton, and I spoke to him earlier today at Rogers Place. I mean, I know the last uh, about 26 hours have probably been pretty pretty emotional, just what was it like, the game ending and, and being together for the last time as a team today? Yeah, it was uh, kind of bittersweet, and um, I had a really good time here. Uh, it was kind of emotional after the game last night, but um, it's a really exciting group. Um, they're going to do well in the future, and I enjoyed my time here, so it's awesome. Take me back to mid-December when you found out about the trade. Was that something you were expecting at the time? Was it a bit of a jolt, or what do you remember about those days? Yeah, it was it was pretty exciting for me. Uh, being able to come to this city and this uh, building, I've always known this has been a top-notch organization, so it was really exciting for me uh, coming in here as well as being on a, on a great team. And uh, being able to make another good run in the playoffs for me was awesome. Well, I'm curious how you compare being on Swift last year 
one of the favorites going into the playoffs as opposed to the Oil Kings. You guys won your division, but maybe there were still some skeptics or sort of that how good are they actually type feeling. How do you compare the, the two runs? Yeah, it was, um, it's different, and I think it was because uh, this team was just a lot younger. I think uh, on Swift last year, we had a lot of a lot of players that have proved themselves in the league. This year, a lot of guys were just coming into their own and uh, are now well-known players in the league and have shown what they can do. So uh, I think this team can, uh, can do great things going forward. In terms of in your mind and maybe with your teammates as you progress through the regular season, was there a point where it clicked or you really thought to yourself, like, hold, hold on, I think we got something here? I don't think there's an exact point in time. I think it built built up over a while. Like, from uh, from the first day I was here, I couldn't believe uh, how much our culture changed in the room uh, to where we ended. Um, just everyone, every day was coming to the rink, committed to being a winner. And uh, that was the coolest part for me, seeing that change. Who were some of the leaders that that took charge with that? I assume you were probably one of them, given the experience you had coming in. Yeah, yeah, I like to think I helped a little bit, but uh, no, I think I think um, that kind of comes from everyone, everyone doing it, and so there's no stragglers. Um, if everyone's doing their job and holding each other accountable, it makes everything a lot easier, and that's that's what great teams do. You got to play Calgary in the playoffs. Uh, you were formerly played for the Hitmen, so you got to be on the other side of the Battle of Alberta and, and had some former teammates on that squad as well. How, how do you sum up that whole experience? Yeah, that, that was pretty cool, uh, going back going back there for playoffs. And uh, I can't say enough good things about their organization, but uh, it did feel good to beat them and especially sweep them. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, fun, it was a fun round. You guys had some dramatic playoff games. You guys came back a couple of times for overtime wins. You had a game where you were scored on late and had to go to overtime. How did the team stay so even keel through some of those ups and down moments in the, in the postseason? Because the momentum swings can feel so much more immense either way than they do in the, in the regular season, I assume. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just, um, like I said before, how the how the culture kind of changes it's just um playing every minute and being committed to who you want to be as a team and no matter what happens as long as you stick to that uh good things are going to happen and so every time we went into overtime we would come into the room and it kind of felt like a reset button and it didn't matter we just had to score the next one and uh i think we had a perfect record in overtime in the playoffs so it worked well for us and it was a pretty cool experience I got to ask you about the PA Raiders. They were the favorites. Obviously, they started whatever it was with one loss in the first two months of the season, so they had the target on them all year long. What was it like battling them and what turned out to be a, a six-game series? What, what, what has made them such a good team this year? Yeah, it was fun. They, uh, they have a veteran group of guys, obviously, and um, they battle hard. And uh, they uh, basically had their, their team from last year. They had a lot of guys come back, and so... They deserved that. Um, they were a great team all year. They had a great season, and so it was fun to be able to battle them. And uh, uh, wish we could have took them down, but you know that's how it goes sometimes. All right, I I, I know you'd like to talk about all your teammates, but I'm just going to ask you about one because he got a lot of headlines this year. We'll see what's next for him, Trey Fix Bolanski. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, unbelievable watch every day. He's uh, such a talented, skilled player, and. Uh, great guy off the ice so it's been a pleasure to play with him what's next for you i mean i know this is probably 
like you said at the beginning, a bit of a bittersweet time and a bit of a, well, pretty big change in your life. But uh, do you know what, what's going to happen next, either hockey or life-wise? Uh, yeah, I haven't made the decision 100% yet, but um, I have the option to either go pro or probably play CIS. Um, I will continue to play hockey, but uh, I'm not sure, not sure where it's going to lead me next yet. If you could tell a 15 or 16-year-old kid who's going to debut in the WHL next season, what's one piece of wisdom you would share? Just enjoy every day because it goes by fast. <laughs> sure, sure, everyone's heard it a hundred times, but it's it's true. That is Andrew Fighton from your Edmonton Oil Kings. Spoke to him this afternoon at Rogers Place as they packed up after being eliminated yesterday. Big impact on the Oil Kings since coming over in December. All the best to uh, Andrew. So maybe some pro, maybe some CIS. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Hey, the St. Albert Slash National Champs for the third straight year. We'll talk to their coach and the player who scored twice in the national title game when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. St. Louis, uh, St. Louis leading Dallas. Seven minutes left in the second period there. Tyler Bozak with his second of the postseason to put the Blues ahead. Raptors now into the third quarter, about halfway through the third quarter. They're making up a little bit of ground, 57-51. The 76ers leading the Raptors in game two of that best of seven series. Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers will play for Canada at the World Hockey Championship starting May 10th in Slovakia. We had Nurse on the show earlier. He will uh, leave on Thursday. The WHL final starts Friday. Vancouver up against Prince Albert. The Oilers farm team Bakersfield Condors will uh, take on San Diego in the second round. That starts Friday. We're talking about Dallas Aikens earlier. He's the coach of the San Diego Gulls. The Brooks Bandits of the AJHL lead the Doyle Cup Two games to one over the BC champion Prince George Sugar Kings. So the first three games were in Brooks. Rest of the series in Prince George, starting with uh, game four on Wednesday. Brooks, regardless of the outcome of this series, will be uh, in the Junior A National Championship because they are the host team, but we will keep an eye on them for sure. Well, we've been telling you a little bit over the last few weeks about the St. Albert Slash, the female midget AAA team, and they have done it again. This is tough to do. A three-peat at the SO Cup, the National Championship Tournament, as they uh, won the final on the weekend, beating Sudbury 4-1, and that was after beating Saskatoon 2-1 in overtime in the semifinal. So a tense weekend for the Slash, but they get it done again, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show, first of all, speaking of the AHL, AJHL, a guy I've been talking to since he was a coach in the AJHL, and I was covering the league in Lloydminster, it's Dan Auchenberg. Dan, good to have you on the show. Hey, good to, good to be here, Reed. Thank you for having me. And she scored two goals in the national championship game, Mackenzie Kordick. Mackenzie, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for checking in tonight. What what a story the St. Albert Slash are. Mackenzie, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about the, that final game. You were able to score twice. Uh, you scored a 4-1 win. Just take me through your your performance and your team's performance. Yeah, you know what? I think we are just really trying to get close to the net. Just really anything. Like, you never know. We could get lucky. Like, anything could really go into the net. And honestly, I was having trouble scoring throughout the tournament, and my coaches and teammates were just telling me to shoot clocks and just 
hope for the best, you know, and that's what I did, like, especially on my first shot there, what that went in. Um, I just shot it through a screen, and I was lucky enough to make it to the net, and it went in. Okay, Dan, what about for you? I, I mean, you mentioned Mackenzie said she wasn't having trouble scoring. What did you or some of the other coaches tell her to to keep her confident and uh, encourage her to hit that score sheet? Well, when Mackenzie is the most effective, she's moving her feet, she's making things happen. She's very skilled, and she does so many good things on the ice, and uh, her threat is always when uh, she has the puck and uh, when she utilizes her shot, she's uh, even more threatening. And, you know, even if you miss, you're, you're going to miss. You're not going to score all the time, but uh, the opportunities are there, and that's the best way I always say it. If you're getting opportunities, you're doing something right, eventually they'll go in. And I'm just glad that uh, she had something positive to get to come towards her because she's worked very hard this year, and she came to to, to us to, to want to win a, win a national title. And... Uh, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And uh, when you can reach your goal and reach your dream, and especially do it on that final day and on national TV, how oh, more proud can I be of her? It's unbelievable. And her, she has to be proud of herself. She's an awesome player. So, Mackenzie, now this was the three-peat for the Slash. Not everybody was on every team. How many were you on? This is actually my first year. This was your first year. Okay, so yeah. the, that that's pretty cool then that, that you helped get the three in a row. Mackenzie, mm-hmm. take me through the whole week of the tournament. Uh, I mean, I when I, I started following you guys and looking at the schedule, I thought, my God, that's six six games in six days for the two finalists, and uh, and you had to go through an overtime game in the semifinal. I mean, how did you keep the energy and the spirits up through this? Yeah, you know, it was it was a tough week, and I don't know, I think our leaders really helped us out. They kept our motivation up, and they're always keeping us positive, just telling us not give up, not lose hope. And we did have a tough round-robin game, and we came forth, so, like, we just we just made the semis games, right? But, and, and yeah, we had some tough round-robin games, but once um, semis hit, like, we really pushed the pace, I felt, and... I think we do owe it to the captains there for just keeping us motivated. And yeah, once the semi game was there, like, <clears throat> yeah, it was good. <laughs> Dan, you've had to coach through this tournament before. And, you know, I know it can be totally different than coaching in a best of five or a best of seven series. How do you compare the coaching experience through this week as opposed to the, the previous two uh, years where you won it? Well, the most important thing is managing your players, it's a grind. It's seven games in seven days, uh, so it, it, it is uh, mentally fatiguing, and, uh, and especially when you're staying in a hotel and you know you just eat, they sleep, and then play hockey, and uh, consistently for seven days, it, it does draw some mental issues, you know, like some stress on the, the kids and stuff. And you know what? I after the game three, and I said we the huge points, and we weren't getting, we were playing good. I really thought we were playing well, and I told the girls that we were, we could easily be four and one at the end of the uh, end of the five game round robin, but we weren't. And after the third game, I said this this tournament isn't one in in uh, basically round robin and three and day three. It, it's what you do and where you position yourself, and as long as you get into the to the medal rounds, you have an opportunity just as equal as everybody else. 
That's Dan Ockenberg, the coach of the St. Albert Slash, on the line, along with uh, Mackenzie Cordick, who scored two goals in their 4-1 win over Sudbury to win the SO Cup, the uh, female midget AAA national championship. Mackenzie, how, I, I've had a couple of your teammates on this year, and, I, and I've asked them this question as well. What is your uh, history of getting into hockey? Did you start relatively young, or did you uh, transition from another sport? What was your journey? Uh, yeah, actually, I started skating when I was five years old. Uh, it's like, I don't know, I fell in love with the game, right? Just loved to skate. I also played lacrosse for a few years, but I really loved doing that as well. But um, that was a few years ago, and I had to choose between the two sports, just one I really want to focus on, right? And obviously, I chose hockey. <laughs> and when did you start playing uh, at a high level? Um, Probably... My second year, Adam, I played for, I played boys actually up until midget. Uh, so I played boys hockey. And in at my Adam's second year, I played for the Casey Iceman. Okay. Yeah. Dan, Dan, this is, you know, quite an accomplishment for you. And I, and I mentioned going to this, you and I have uh, known each other a while when you, know, you used to coach in the AJ. So, you know, I'm personally really happy for your success. So th- this is pretty cool. But how has it had, how has it been for you? You know, when you made a transition from from coaching men to coaching women, was it a transition? And you know, I'm not. I hope that doesn't sound oh, no, sexist or anything, but I, I, you know, there, no. it can be different. Oh, it's very different. Uh, uh, different mentality, uh, just different way of, of teaching the game. It's more about uh, instilling instilling confidence in in females uh, because you know they don't want to let their peers down, so they try to make you know make the simple play and and their their creativity is lacking but they do have it if they just start having confidence in themselves and you've got to i always believe you can teach them how to play without the puck to make them better but you want to let them really try to be creative so i always kind of give them a little bit more free uh, lance of opportunity to uh be creative on the offensive side and we just try to guide them like i just remember uh, first game in Lloyd uh, and, and Mackenzie was playing for us and she always wanted to try to get around because she's a big body, she wanted to drive the net around the last defender and I said, why don't you use her, uh, use her as a screen and she said, oh, okay, I'll try it so a couple shifts later she tries it and scores identically the same goal that she scored in the game uh, for the game winner uh, on Saturday so, you know, it's like you got you got to give them confidence you got to give them that kind of like a uh, opportunity to try and do their uh to do their uh offensive side of the game more right well and that's interesting you say that dan and mackenzie you can jump in here too as well because i know from following the u of a pandas throughout the season that the the canada west and u sports women's hockey is very low scoring um i i think the the pandas had shutouts in almost half their games this season why do you two think that is, and 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 maybe it's not maybe it's not that low scoring to the same extent uh, at at the midget level? I'll let whoever wants to jump in there. <laughs> Go ahead, Max. You get to um, Okay, yeah, no, yeah, I've definitely noticed that it is low scoring, and honestly, I think it's because the compete is so high, and also the goalies are very strong, and I there also is very low uh, shots on that too each game. Yeah, no, I just think that because every girl is just super strong. Like, it's hard to get pucks pucks to the net sometimes as well. Like, girls are always, like, 
sacrificing their bodies to get in front of the pucks. And, yeah. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, obviously, the the biggest key is uh, as coaches that you're coming in, we know they uh, they don't score abundance of goals, so we we really work on the defensive side of the game and teach them how to play without the puck and defend. So I always say is uh, the less you give up is the less you you have to get right. So if we can keep it down. We we actually weren't too bad on the offensive side this year. Uh, I thought we're, our defensive side was uh, phenomenal. We only gave up 22 goals in 30 games. Um, and um, our offensive side showed, and, you know, we did end up, and it's probably the most goals I've ever seen in three years. Uh, we did beat Rocky 10-1 on a, on a you know, on a probably not a, probably the best part of the day. It was the last game of before Christmas. And they kind of were already in Christmas mode. So, and we just played Calgary, and we wanted to get our game back because we we won, but it wasn't the way that we wanted to win. So we wanted to play a team game the next night, and and we did. So, but and on average, we you know you score you can score about four to if the games are around four to two or three two uh, in our league. So it's 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 not too bad. Uh, but when you get uh, to uh, to the nationals. It really gets tough to score because everything escalates, and uh, uh, goalies are better, players are better. They're in your face, so time and space is get taken away. So that's where it gets to really to be tight. Like two years ago, we won as three years ago, we won one nothing in the semifinals, and we scored two minutes in, and that that held up. And then we score in overtime in the final game, one nothing. And last year, it was a two-one hockey game in the final. One nothing or a shootout in uh, in the semifinals. So, you know, uh, I was like surprised we won four one. But um, at the end of the day, I knew once we got our our mojo back in the second period and Mackenzie scored that second goal, I said we got this because I knew we weren't going to give up anymore. Mackenzie, are you uh, are are you done with minor hockey now? And if so, do you have a plan for next season? Yes, I actually. Yeah, this my last year of. Midget hockey. I'm actually going to University of British Columbia next year. Okay. Well, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> well, no, all, all the best with that. That's awesome. You're going to be playing uh, youth sports. You'll be uh, so you're going to be a rival of because a, a lot of your teammates are joining the pandas, right? Yeah, it's like three or four of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Dan, look, uh, I, I know you love winning. What coach doesn't? But you must feel. Great to see so many players go on to play Canada West and and uh, you know wherever they go. Khalid. Oh, that's that's our whole purpose of doing this is trying to move these ladies on to the next to the next level and you know and that's their dream and uh, we've been pretty solid so far. We have every third year has moved on uh, to post secondary. So you know that's our goal and always is to make sure that they reach their dream. Well, it was really fun to follow your team here down the stretch of the season, and just just incredible story to win three titles in a row. That that's so hard to do. Mackenzie, enjoy the experience. All the best with your future careers, Dan. I know you got to get around to <laughs> getting get a team together for next year. And yes. just remember, if you don't repeat, you know I'm going to say it's the coach's fault, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It always is at the end of the day. <laughs> no, Dan. Congratulations. It's great to catch up with you again. Mackenzie, congratulations to you and your teammates. Well done.
Thank you. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, thank you so much, Reed. That is Dan Ockenberg, the coach of the St. Albert Slash, and Mackenzie Cordick forward on the team. Two goals in their victory in the national championship game to win the Esso Cup in Sudbury. Incredible story. Female midget AAA national champions three years in a row. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, back for a look at the scoreboard and some final thoughts. You're listening to 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Maroon, far side, along the boards. Dunn got it back for St. Louis. Trying to spin around Yanmark. Mids Dunn showing the wheels. Centers, shooting, they score! Robert Thomas put it on. Bozak finds the rebound, and this line puts the Blues on top, 2-1. to 11.30 to go in the second period, all created on some dazzling stick work from Vince Dunn. All right, and that's where we are, 2-1. St. Louis leading Dallas, going to the third period. Second period just ended in Dallas, so earlier Schwartz and Radulov scoring. Bozak gets that one, the audio coming in courtesy the Blues Radio Network. Raptors in action, chipping away down 69-63 in the final 15 seconds of the third quarter. That's game two of that best of seven with the Raptors up one nothing. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, great to catch up with Dan Ockenberg and have Mackenzie Kordick as well, one of his players from the St. Albert Slash. That is uh, an incredible story to win the female midget triple-A national tidy title three years in a row. Good for them, and uh, great to catch up with Dan. Yeah, when I was working in Lloyd, he was coaching in uh, Sherwood Park. Always great to talk to, so nice to have him on the show again. Absolutely. Darnell Nurse off to the uh, World Championships. Corey texting in, why isn't Ryan Nugent Hopkins going for Canada? Uh, well, I know the, I don't know the date, and I, I wasn't invited, nor would I expect to be, but uh, the Nuge is getting married this summer, so he's not going to play at the world. So Darnell Nurse will be the lone Edmonton Oiler on uh, on Team Canada. Leon Dreisaitl is going to be playing for Germany. So uh, we'll follow that tournament once it gets going on May 10th. This was fun on uh, Friday, Kellen. You were here. We had Mike Johnson on the show, uh-huh. former Montreal Expo, who was a teammate of Vlad Guerrero. Late 90s and early 2000s. Mike Johnson uh, from Sherwood Park uh, has the 5 tool field house here in Edmonton. Spent most of his big league career with Montreal. And I, uh, I asked Mike on Friday, did you ever, like, was Vlad Jr. around? Did you get to know him as a little guy when you were on the Expos? Those young pictures of him in an Expos uniform, like tipping his cap with his dad in the field. So I was at those games. So I remember, I, like, Vladdy Jr. was around all the time and looked just like he did, three years old, like in those pictures. And I was kind of laughing today. I was, I, was, I was talking to someone and saying, like, we had a soft-serve ice cream, soft-serve ice cream, machine in our clubhouse and every after every single game Vladdy Jr. would come in and crush ice cream <laughs> well <laughs> it, it paid off he uh, he has some girth on him <laughs> he, he turns it into power when he hits a baseball that was Mike Johnson you get the full interview on the inside sports page on 630ched.com the speculation continues about the next general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, as I referenced earlier, Rod Peterson, the former play-by-play voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, 
tweeting out that Ken Holland will be the next general manager of the Oilers. A lot of people shot that down, saying that, that Holland really isn't a, a candidate. There, there is a short list. John Shannon from Sportsnet. I'm not privy to a list of five. Okay. I, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, would, I still think that Elliot's list is probably the most accurate. Um, when you think of, of the three guys, McCrimmon, Hunter, Holland, but, you know, Holland's under contract. Holland's just signed a new contract. Uh, and uh, there's no way to ascertain interest at this point if permission hasn't been granted. All right, so there you go, and uh, we wait to see what's going to happen with Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights. We've been hearing Mark Hunter's name. Look, for me, I've been saying this all along, McCrimmon's, I I think, the number one choice. Personally, and look, I don't want to sound like, I I don't mean this as an attack or that the guy isn't qualified. I am just not as high on Mark Hunter as other people um, because I think, what he did with the Leafs that was in conjunction with other people. I mean, which it always is. I mean, when we talk about McCrimmon, we got to remember George McPhee was still the GM and had the, had the ultimate say. But I think McCrimmon helped a lot. And and I think, you know, Hunter with a successful London franchise, uh, which is cool, but it's it's just it's just different in junior hockey. It's it's just different in major junior. So now, hey, I'm not making the hire. What would have I? Would I have Hunter in my final three or or final five, whatever it is? Probably not. Definitely not in my final three. But it appears he's there for the Edmonton Oilers. So one of the stories we'll keep following, and then the new GM will hire a new coach. And as somebody texted in earlier today, they really want Todd Nelson to be that coach. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that would make a lot of people happy. We'll see. Okay, final look here. Just updating one more time. After two, Blues leading the Stars 2-1. And now into the fourth quarter in Toronto, Raptors trailing the Philadelphia 76ers by the score of 69-73. Hey, Leopard. Uh, they played the uh, rock and roll induction ceremony on the weekend. It was about a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. But they finally aired it. I think it was on HBO. I watched Leopard. Pretty good. Might have to keep following that band. Besides Dan Ockenberg and Mackenzie Kordick from the St. Albert Slash tonight, you heard from Gary Galley, Darnell Nurse, Andrew Fighton from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Thanks to everybody who texted in. I always appreciate when you listen. Kellen Kennedy, the studio operator tonight. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. My name is Reed Wilkins, back from 6 to 8 tomorrow. Enjoy your evening. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.